Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome along to episode three of the Global Leadership Podcast. Congratulations if you've made it this far. Um, anyway, I'm Anthony Price. <laughs> Just having a little little glass of wine there, Ant, as you, I, I, I hadn't anticipated that. Anyway, I am Jonathan Bradley, and it's lovely to be with you again, Ant, uh, and this time in your bedroom, mm. looking over the Danube yes, we, in we, Budapest. You join us in uh, Hungary uh, today, uh, and my stomach tells me that I'm also physically very hungry. Um, and um, as ever, we've, we've taken on board your feedback um, so we, we, we absorbed the feedback from last week, which has included that, um, that I need to do less ums. So please do kick me if I'm doing an um. You've got to stop doing the ums and I've got to stop doing this on yeah. the table when I'm enforcing points. And look at what it does to the sound okay, waves. Okay, well, that's helpful to see that. So Isn't I'm it? going to be mindful of, of those. So you've got Anthony Price and Jonathan Bradley and occasionally you'll hear a chink of a wine glass as it's the end of the day here, and it's been a long day, uh, and you might uh, hear Ant's tummy rumbling in the background because he's hungry. I am indeed, and hopefully that doesn't um, make for a poor quality podcast because my concentration is on dinner, which will occur in about two hours' time. So this week we are to- we are talking all about uncertainty, um, and uncertainty can manifest itself in many different ways. Well, so we go into this podcast with a certain degree of uncertainty, let it be said. Uh, However, we thought, based on some of the feedback that we've been given, that we are clear about what we're going to talk about, which is uncertainty, um, bash it around uh, around a bit, kick the tyres, and then come up with some practical ideas that people can take away by the end of our hour. Yes. Which is kind of what we're hoping that our listener uh, will continue to listen to rather than the two-hour thing that we started off with on our first podcast. This is very true. And of course, we also take your questions. Any questions that you have, you can submit them via our Twitter feed, which I can now believe it or not remember, which is uh, uh, the the handle Twitter handle LeadLearnPod, um, as in leadership or learning podcast. So LeadLearnPod. Um, which is a a co-space for this podcast and another podcast, which I might talk about at the end. But you can submit your questions there. You can either submit them directly through social media, such as LinkedIn. Uh, Me and JB, you can find us, Jonathan Bradley or Anthony Price. Um, Or, of course, you can email us them um, if you can find our contact details, which I'm not going to publish here. Or if you happen to bump into us, which um, many of you listening will have had face-to-face experience of us. And we do have a number of questions this week from around Europe. We have brought some colleagues together from across countries around Europe, from Hungary, uh, Russia, Ukraine. Sweden, um, Finland. Sweden, yes. So they're yes. all represented in our questions today. Some of which of the questions are anonymous. Some of them are happy. And please, if you do send us a question, Mark, if you are happy for us to name you. If you don't, we will assume you wish it to be anonymous. But those questions will come up in this hour. So um, let's kick things off with, I guess, a question for you, JB. Um, which is um, what has created uncertainty for you in your career to date? Well, so I have anticipated this question. Uh, But before I answer it, can I just uh, add, before I forget, and this this is an appeal to our listener, actually, which is that Ant and I were walking past an intense meeting this morning and we we merely peered through the window of this um, intense training meeting. I don't know what sort of meeting it was, actually. And on on the wall um, was a thing uh, called 
the SHIT model uh, with a whole load of blocks underneath it and people were putting post-it notes. Uh, I think they got as far as the S part of the SHIT model. Need to Google that. And I, I wonder if our listener actually knows what that model is and has it got anything to do with uncertainty? I don't know. Perhaps it's the answer. Perhaps it's the, the practical solution How to, deal with to get ourselves out of all the uh, uh, difficulties <laughs> that we're in these days. It's called the SHIT model. I'm not going to mention it uh, in, in, uh, in its true form, just to, in case it offends our precious listener, because we don't want to lose them. No. So in answer to your question, um, these are some of the things that I have experienced. So I'm just going to do a little list of things Mm -hmm. and then if it piques your interest and dive in anywhere along this uh, list okay so i've got i'm going to start off with quite a big one and that's globalization creating all sorts of uncertainty uh political Mm -hmm. stuff going on around the world that's pretty pretty intense right now yeah uh legislation uh ai uh global warming even how is that affecting organizations my my own experience is kind of around the transition from analog uh, to digital, uh, particularly in media yeah. uh, and communications. Uh, what on earth has the internet done uh, to uncertainty? It makes me think of people going to the doctor or in, and, and they've got some sort of issue and they mm. think they've got about three weeks to live. Yeah. Um, so we get into all sorts of yeah. uncertainty that might not necessarily need to be there. Uh, so knowledge transfer inside organizations moving at the speed of sound uh, Mm. through organizations or the speed of light. Um, Deregulation in in many countries, in many markets, Um, the millennial uh, area, uh, wars, um, and also finally, I thought, well, you know, gender, uh, the whole area of gender uh, is uh, gender fluidity and so on. You know, these are these are quite big things for leaders to take on board so any of those take your interest and in terms of your experience or they, they do and I guess um, all of those things I sense impacts um, everybody listening to this podcast what I um, thought is an alternative view you've kind of I guess the macro view if you will with some of the things you talked about there um, external factors I guess the things that resonate with me over my experiences recently and um, in my past is um, I think in linking to your globalization, there has been an awful lot of consolidation of organizations. Um, and um, what I mean by that is, is that, you know, uh, a, a small organization has been gobbled up by a big one. And of course, for the employees, there is a, oh goodness, my role is is quite ambiguous all of a sudden, or maybe it's more focused. But there is a transition period that happens with that. And I think Gone are the days, and there's a, one of my bosses listens to this podcast and he likes to call me up and give me coaching. Uh, he calls it coaching, it's feedback, Ooh, normally heavens. on a Friday afternoon. That's quite uh, scary. And, and, he, and I used to tell him off because when he used to do town halls around our company where we used to work, um, he used to say, look guys, you know, change is coming because he sensed that the audience were frustrated with the, um, the lack of change. But actually... Um, when you really open the bonnet of the organisation, the change was was the constant. And actually, I think um, we needed to uh, acknowledge as a business that change is normal. It's something that we should be embracing and not necessarily 
um, you know, shying away from or saying change is, change is normal now. Everything that you've just said, we're going through a fourth industrial revolution. Companies are acquiring and consolidating. Um, AI um, and automation is having a massive impact on all sorts of industries. Um, even ones that have traditionally been impossible they thought to automate are now being automated, which of course questions a lot of people at different levels of the business. Um, and I guess um, uh, uncertainty is created by poor communication of keeping me informed as an employee during that change. Um, and that's at every level, because maybe at certain levels of the business, they're very, very good at communication. And then lower down the business, it lacks. And in some cases, maybe lack of communication is the right thing, because telling them might rock the boat. And therefore, you don't want to tell them until the change is needed. But I think for me, um, the, the, the big headline that I've got from, from uh, when I've been thinking in advance about the things that cause uncertainty in a business, amongst everything that you've just said, is I guess the, the impact it has on my business. What does it mean to me? What is, and, and, and critically, I guess, um, what do I do to steady the ship for myself? And if I'm a leader for my people during that period. But I, I do like to remind that one listener that I have who tends to give me feedback on these podcasts, change is normal now, um, but it's how we cope with that, that that makes or breaks, I think, this certainty, uncertainty feeling amongst our people. I think you touch on a very important point, and that is about capability and you know, to, to be uh, change capable uh, in, hmm. a, in an organisation and having a team full of people who are change capable. And I had the opportunity uh, to revisit a fantastic book recently, which I, I know you have started reading now. I have. Um, which has got the, the really pithy title of uh, Relax, It's Only Uncertainty. Now, this was uh, out, I think it was in 2001, uh, when this book came out, which seems an awfully long time ago. Yeah. Actually, having a, a read again of this, this book, it's, it's by um, White and Hodgson, and it's a, it's, a, it's a really cool book, and it's got some very interesting insights. And, and the basic premises of the book is get your people uh, ready uh, to deal with uncertainty because it will be your greatest competitive advantage that however is easier said than done but I think there's something quite useful uh, from his view about the styles of leadership that go into these situations which ones work and which ones don't so uh, he talks about uh, the control and command leader of, of yesteryear I mean, obviously, they still exist. They, you know, they're still around. We know, we know they exist. Met some of them in the last couple of weeks. Exactly, and you know, so you've got the control <laughs> and command, uh, which which creates cultures of micromanagement and kind of uh, managing and measuring everything under the under the bonnet, uh, rather than actually getting on with the business of having the right types of conversations and allowing people to uh, reach their potential and so on. Um, and, and then you've got your, your visionary leader and not wrong with a visionary leader. Uh, you know, that's good. But, but what, what is the span of that vision? You know, are we talking about three weeks, three years? 
uh, or, or what, you know. So, so having a vision is all very well, but how sustainable will that vision be in, uh, in three months' time when the whole market uh, has changed, we've got a new competitor and, uh, you know, our investors are getting a little bit nervy and, and, and. And all the other list of things that I talked about earlier, mm -hmm. that might just have a major impact on this beautiful carefully crafted vision that's been through marketing departments and turned into a beautiful looking thing but actually is it sustainable is it going to get us through so then he talks about this other leader uh, which is the learning leader and i think this is where he puts his weight into supporting uh, in the book which is how do i create uh, the conditions for people to learn how uh, to deal with uncertainty. So I thought it would be quite useful for us to think about those different types of leader, leaders and then think about the, the kind of uh, attitudes, behaviours and capabilities required by leaders and of their people uh, to, to get through change. Hmm. How do I follow that? That shut you up, didn't it? It has. I've done some homework and... Yeah, damn it. And as ever, I haven't. Um, <laughs> That's why I wanted you to read that book, because it's very, you know, it's very interesting, really, as a, a, a way to look at stuff. So, um, <clears throat> the, in the audience's ear, then, um, we, I guess, want to think about how we support different levels of leaders dealing with this complete changing landscape. As a line manager... I may have several people in my team who are relatively, uh, you could argue, junior in the organization, but they've been in the organization for a significant amount of time. They are seen as a key asset to the business, but the world is changing around them. And that, of course, makes them feel frustrated and vulnerable. Equally, at the same time, further up the organization, constant restructuring um, uh, for that business can be seen as another level of anxiety. But something that, that you and I talk about with our people when we're, we're going around the world with these sorts of programs is that, to your point, creating uncertain, creating certain times in uncertainty can be your competitive advantage. My biggest fear as a people manager is that if I am not creating certainty in uncertain times, there is a risk that when I go to another organisation which might have higher levels of certainty than my current organization, my people won't follow me because they judge me on how I cope with uncertainty as opposed to certainty. We are all great, I think, to appoint good time leaders. When the money's rolling in, the bonuses are being paid out, uh, investment is solid and consistent, uh, the structure is growing, it's fast growth, it's entrepreneurial, happy days. Um, we can all probably resonate, I hope, some of us have all had a taste of those <laughs> If we've only worked in uncertainty, that could be a pretty depressing state place. But there are certain leaders that I wouldn't work for again because how they cope with uncertainty creates such anxiety in the people. And that manifested itself into this control piece that you spoke about a bit earlier on. So I guess to the listeners listening to this, I guess what we're what, what I think we're aiming towards is that we as a leader have to get very good at creating certainty in uncertain times because everything that you've articulated plus 
organizations restructuring regardless of what level you're at in the business if you don't create certainty for your people um and these short-term visions what is my wife for now versus the future what can i answer versus what i can't answer all these things can can go into that melting pot i suspect uh well um i'm on my second marriage and asking me a question like um what is my wife now uh, creates all sorts of uncertainty oh, uh, in my, and I hope my, my wife doesn't actually hear this podcast. Oh, one listener could be but, darling off. But what is my wife for now? Uh, I'm very happy where I am, thanks, Ant. That's a bit like a joke, but it probably didn't work. So I think the point uh, that you're. Uh, <coughs> Sorry. Can you edit that out, actually? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's probably a joke too far. Okay. Uh, I'll leave that to your judgment. So. Okay. Um, I, this takes me back to uh, the, you know, the, the whole thing about how the, how the leader turns up uh, and, you know, how they perform and what they give off uh, to to their people and to their to their audience. You know, do are they in control uh, of, you know, what they can control? Do they know what they can control? And I think, you know, as a as a as a piece of guidance, really, to our listener um, is how how do you move consciously with your team towards uncertainty and change how do you move consciously towards that and give off that you are also aware and conscious of what you know and what you don't know and that you're managing that well what what are you actually giving off what are you showing what are you demonstrating so i guess if i if i think about recent personal experiences for me and this is in current previous two or three roles um i think excitement is probably a key thing that i've always tried to give off an enthusiasm this is exciting and i think one thing the one thing that can be certain uncertainty is you're going to learn from the experience and the one thing that i've always kind of championed when i've seen some big reorganizations going on or some or I've lost my line manager who for me created that certainty and in myself it's like oh my goodness my team knew how much I adored this individual and now I've got to go and tell them they've gone um how I've consolidated my thinking is a is a sense of we this is a great learning opportunity for us this could go awfully wrong but What's the worst that's going to happen? So what? So what? So what? Why? 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 You know what happens then? What happens then? Reality is, is that you know, are we all going to die as a result of this change? No, we're not. Absolute worst case, case this business will crash and burn if the if if the ultimate chaos that we predict will happen will happen. But my goodness, what an experience that will be! Um, and and look, you know, and I'm very aware that there has been some organisations that have lost everything. You know, Thomas Cook is a prime example where clearly uncertainty had been rife for those employees for the last six, eight months as the company was trying to find a buyer and additional funding and so on and so on and so on. But I hope as a leader in that business over the last six, eight months, people have said that they want to leave on a high. I don't care how bad this is, it's going to learn from it. And there's been some great media coverage, for example, after the company's folded, where people are still turning up to work in their uniforms to help people get compensation and fill in their compensation forms and i think that you would i think that shows great leadership is that people want to do well for the business and they want to learn from it 
Um, I know another organisation which will remain nameless, but you and I are both very familiar with, who have uh, gone through a gobbled up by a bigger conglomerate. And I talked to one of my friends that works for that organisation. And there is massive uncertainty there because actually because of the Monopolies Commission type of of organisation looking at this organisation saying, is this a safe consolidation of businesses or is it not a, it's competitively no longer fair. There is a massive transformation period going to happen that they're now waiting for. And in the meantime, the business is just being held as a, in a holding pattern. And during that period, they all know what's going to happen because they've seen what happened to other companies that have been acquired. And in the meantime, their leadership have taken the conscious decision, let's go out on a high. If we're all going to lose our jobs in two years' time, do we want to leave miserable and spend the next two years feeling miserable about it? Or do we want to make it the best business possible so that then our new owners might realise what they've lost? There's two angles to it. I can either surrender and admit defeat and be miserable and say you need to find a job you need to find a job now which hey might be wise advice or do we have a absolute whale of a time and i know that i'm talking in very um you know best case scenario and i'm sure there's a lot of more darker scenarios but i've been in some pretty dark scenarios and i have always gone into them from a personal perspective of who cares Let's enjoy this for what it is and learn from it. And I would argue most of the jobs I've had more recently have been demonstrating how I've coped with uncertainty as a competency as opposed to a soft skill than anything else. So uh, throwing all of our experience into this pot, uh, I I often think, I mean, people on our programmes talk about their experiences with their kids. Yeah, they do. And, and, And in particular, their teenage kids. And... I'm raising that because I was given some terrific advice once uh, by someone in the know, uh, a therapist uh, related to to children, and I don't mind talking about that. But um, you know, when you've got kids going through, uh, you know, some pretty big trauma, which is you know sometimes it's beyond your control. You know, this is stuff that happens. People, our listener will hopefully identify. Uh, that actually, you know, this kind of stuff happens. And the best advice I got, uh, and it made an awful lot of sense, was you have to create a business-as-usual environment as best as you can. Mm. You know, so, yeah, that's happening. That's weird. You know, that's, that's a little bit uncomfortable. But there's some rituals and some things that the family does that you must keep going. Keep it, even though you're feeling very, very fragile yourself and feeling, oh my goodness, you know, I, I feel like falling apart and, you know, it's, it's kind of, this is all very nerve-wracking, never experienced anything like this with someone that you love, you, you must create this, this environment that is safe uh, and it, it's kind of familiar and business as usual. You know, so breakfast happens with everybody in the normal way. Friends still come round um, and you go to all the kind of trouble of keeping all the rituals going. Mm. Absolutely essential. So I want to put that into the pot of the, of the business as usual thing. And then maybe uh, we need a jingle ant which goes, let's get practical. 
or something. Okay. I don't know. I'm I not can, going to sing it myself. If Jono's listening to this, I'll voice over guy. But, I, you know, I think I think we owe it to the listener to try and pull stuff together okay. uh, at, at various moments. I so, have to tell you, though, that your, your words have resonated with me because, actually, the children is a great metaphor for our people, and I don't want that to sound um, offensive. <clears throat> but you've hit on something because I had a relative pass away last year. Um, mm. uh, of a terminal illness yeah. and you're exactly right there was massive uncertainty the, the certainty was he was going to die but that's can be said for all of us but we all took a conscious effort in our family if you call them the leaders as in the parents and aunties to create conditions of certainty for the children and actually they knew by the way they knew the end was going to be not good um, but to your point you create as much business as usual as possible the breakfasts the, and, and, you know, some mornings, we, we are we going to find out today that he's gone or, you know, and so on. Not to have a breakfast as usual in a situation like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, incidentally, we, we uh, left it three or four days after my, my relative had finally passed away to inform the children um, so that we could get over the, the initial shock ourselves. But I think you're right. There's a lot of practical thinking there that can be translated into the workplace. So let's try and summarise kind of where we've, where we've got to now. So um, I, you mentioned the excitement uh, bit, which mm-hmm. is, you know, we, we have to create uh, an environment where, you know, excitement still happens, you know, and there are some benefits of change and uncertainty. And on our programmes, we know that one of the peop- one of the things that people ask for a lot uh, is fun, which you know he's like okay, we're gonna do our best <laughs> to do de- 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 It doesn't it come out? It's one of the big ones that keeps coming out. We want fun. Someone said to us earlier today, um, "I like your humour." So I'm waiting for someone to say that we have to be funny as part of our programs. Can oh you just be more entertaining, God. please? It's a it's a hell of a responsibility to 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 do that yeah. and. Have fun. How <laughs> you will have fun. Yeah. Uh, okay. So 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 actually, you know, maybe there is something really important in that uh, for our our podcast listener that actually excitement and fun you need to be able to find it somewhere um, and to and to pull it out of the bag and to create uh, maybe it is one of those kind of ritual things that uh, if you don't have it already, you need to to make sure it's there. Uh, so that's one point that's come out. I think the other is, um, you are know, are you creating a belt of tools now? Are we, are we going to credit Nathan? Oh, with a with a tool belt of uncertainty tools you can you can bring out as weapons. Perhaps that might encourage Nathan to actually start listening to this podcast. Nathan, yeah. Nathan is a is a an American operating in Shanghai, and he has an obsession uh, with the Batman tool belt. He does, which. Which is quite interesting. When he whipped it out in that program we were witnessing a few months ago, <laughs> where he goes through all the he he shows the the kind of belt, uh, he imagines the belt and then he pulls out the tool, uh, whatever it happens to be, and says that is one of Batman's tools, and uh, it's it's quite exciting when you look at the audience and <laughs> Don't see. Don't be Nathan, be more Batman. Yeah, yeah. So Batman's tool belt is is a little kind of practical learning thing for those who like that sort of thing um so we've got excitement and fun how do you do that how do you keep creating 
the the fun moments that a team actually quite likes uh, having. They like they they like that and they need that. Uh, then you've got uh, going back to uh, the the work of of, of Randall and Hodgson. It's the learning leader, and how important the learning leader uh, is in an in, in an organisation now. What does that? Can you can you yeah. articulate what that means? Okay, so this is a, this is a leader uh, who is obsessed with uh, the learning, the performance, and development of their people. Right. So not an L and D leader, you mean? <laughs> you mean a leader that likes to learn? Well, so and uh, not being disrespectful, but an L and D leader is a tool. I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tool to achieve those things. And, uh, you know, if the leader is has the joint obsession of doing what's right for the business and doing what's right for the people, uh, then uh, he or she will be focused on uh, their people's learning, performance and development. What are they what are they what are they aiming them to learn? And as our subject is uncertainty, uh, it combines with uh, attitude, uh, behavior. Uh, and practice of uh, those scenarios that we go into uh, where we need to be change uh, ready, where we need to be uncertainty ready. So wouldn't it be a good idea uh, before we send our rocket off to the moon uh, that we do a bit of practicing uh, with our rocket uh, before we do the final attempt at the moon? And I think, therefore, if we link it to the rocket to the moon, we need to practice what we do if the rocket has done the moon, it's on its return mission and some shit's hit the fan. Which brings me to my most, the, 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 oh. my, one of my favourite films. Apollo uh, 13. I just absolutely love it. And in that film... It's one of the few I have watched. You know, I'm not a filmie, <laughs> but that's one I have watched. And Isn't it great? So, so yeah, my, you, my eight-year-old loves it too. You've got the NASA, you know, chief engineering kind of guy and there's this table... And on this table are a whole load of bits of plastic, wire, tubes, boxes, um, and tape, and anything that they've actually got up on Apollo 13 as they are beginning to die uh, because they're running out of oxygen. Uh, there's a major, major problem. And uh, this guy uh, actually uh, says to, to one of the engineers, who says, this is just not possible, or words to that effect, and he turns round and says, no one is going to die on my watch. And it was like a, wow, you know, no one's going to die on my watch. And then they all start kind of a bit like Blue Peter reimagined in a kind of really crazy way. They all start making stuff. <laughs> Life or death, Blue Peter. Wow. Yeah. Just, you've got me. <laughs> Our listener might not even know what Blue Peter is. I yeah, don't it's know. It's a British uh, children's programme where people make things out of sticky back plastic and... Uh, well, how it used to be when we watched it, perhaps. Yeah, I think uh, you probably watched it way. I mean, so I was there with the first series with uh, with John Noakes um, and uh, I nearly said Peter Sellers, but it's not Peter Sellers. It's Peter Peter Purvis. Right. Peter Purvis. Yeah. Um, and then the the most fabulous, fabulous Valerie Singleton. Oh. What she could do with a cornflake box is just almost unimaginable. But they couldn't save Apollo thirteen. I guess at Blue Peter, but I, I, well, I wouldn't be surprised. Probably. I think I think with Valerie and John and Peter, I think they probably could have done it um, as long as they had Shep, uh, who I think was uh, who came along later on, which was a dog, by the way. Right. Okay. Um, so anyway, we we we're, we're we're going off track. So uh, 
being change ready, being uh, able to deal with uncertainty. How do you how do you go about uh, having the conversation about the types of attitude required for uh, dealing with uncertainty, the behaviours required for a team to be ready, uh, and then once you've ascertained those things, how do you go and practice that? How do you go and practice the the building of the rocket uh, in the field under extreme pressure mm. of time? because we don't have any time, we're time poor, and uh, someone else down the road is going to make that rocket before we do. There you go. Yeah. There you go, Anne. Solve that problem. And I, I think the good thing is is that there is opportunity seeded throughout what you're referring to there. Well, JB's... Where are you going? Going for... Oh, where are you going? Sorry. He's going to get the wine. Been one of those days. I'm getting quite um, excited by this theme that you, we're building about the rocket. You, you say, and, and you're talking about, um, you know, as you say, this this practical practice. I think um, I I'm going to be from the position of that there hasn't been the practice, and now we're on the way back from the moon, and and there is a problem with the rocket. I'm good with my Coke Zero for now, sir, because um, I've got to make sure I don't accidentally delete all this audio at the end of our recording. Um, but at the same time. Um, I'm thinking as a business, I've joined this business as a leader um, and six months in, um, I'm doing a great job and all of a sudden, bosh, there is some problems that I need to deal with. And I've got this tool belt and there hasn't been a practice run and there is, you know, there, there's, we've got the man to the moon, but now I've got to bring him back as such. Um, and how do I cope with that? And I think one of the mistakes I see too often that I hope this resonates with listeners um, is uncertainty is much more problematic with poor communication. Silence is scary in periods of uncertainty. And I think there is a temptation to under-communicate. The best leaders that I've worked with are the ones that over-communicate during periods of uncertainty. But they have an absolute ability to be honest about the things they can say, but also be honest about the things that they aren't able to talk about, but they acknowledge that those thoughts are in the air. Um, you know, I've I've had a um, you know leaders and they've been on calls with two three hundred people, um, and they have said you know um, I, I you know I can't talk about the following things, but what I can tell you is this, um, and I think that that gives people trust that it that they're aware of 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 the emotions of people, and I think um, a lack of communication and absolute silence can be far more damaging. Because, of course, the consequences of high levels of uncertainty is going to be an increased voluntary attrition. You don't want friendly fire, um, you know, causing you exits in your business. You want to keep, you know, if there's a restructuring going on, for example, and there is absolute silence as to what's the next steps and when's that going to happen by, and all of that creates this, you know, this massive ambiguous timeline, uncertainty goes through the roof. If you don't communicate, it's, it's going to make it even worse. So uh, as you talk about practice... For those of you that are in periods of uncertainty right now, um, I think adding to that tool belt that we're talking about for Nathan here, uh, it's it's the willingness to communicate and being proactive and practicing communication, um, as in practicing it, practice, but actually practicing it as in delivering it as frequently as possible. Be proactive in your communication and make sure that there is always something meaningful that's new as often as possible and acknowledge what you can't communicate yet because it's not ready. Um, I've gone through a restructure twice in my current employer um, and in both times 
um, I've made sure every week there is something to say on the subject so that it doesn't feel that I'm ignoring the subject. It could be insignificant, but it's important that they sense, I know it's on your mind. I'm with you. We are going to build this thing, in, in, you know, uh, this, this repair patch for the rocket ship. Um, I hear you. So um, these are the kind of conversations that might happen between Batman and Robin. And, you know, um, who's the, the police guy, the police chief? And, you know, the, there's lots of conversations that need to happen. I like the Apollo 13. I get that film. I've not seen okay. Batman. Have Sadly, you? no. Oh, my Not goodness. the TV series. Bruce Wayne? Uh, no. No. Oh, Maybe it's my God. age, but probably not. I think most people get offended by my lack of TV culturing. Give me a, a record player or a CD player or an MP3 player any day of the week over, over a TV screen. I, I wind up my cousins by saying the last Bond film that I watched was A View to a Kill. <laughs> Not true. I have watched oh, okay. Spectre. Right. Um, well, so I'm going to, um, if we had the Let's Get Practical jingle. Okay. Uh, I, I, let's Get Practical. Let's Get Practical. Is that okay? I think that will do. Uh, we don't want to bore the listener, but I think it's Let's Get Practical. Paul, and... we, we've listened. <laughs> He'll say, yeah, was like, you will get some other feedback from yeah, someone else going, so, can you do more theory, less practical? Yeah, and he'll just say, stop bloody waffling now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so excitement, fun. Uh, the, the learning bit is uh, actually building scenarios uh, to practice our behaviour uh, and our performance and how we, how we actually do that. What kind of conversations do we need to do uh, at times when uh, we are we are competing heavily with with uh, someone else, and we need to build our our rocket very very fast. So how do we get our teams uh, to work together to build something that hasn't happened yet? So let's, can I can I time out that then and say what, what I haven't what... finished the belt yet. Oh really? Well, I would. So no, but I'm going to okay. to because I think you've got something quite exciting oh, right. bubbling up. Oh. Um, no? well, oh, oh, I, I guess um, it may be worthwhile to pause at this point and um, reflect on the behaviours that are it being experienced by these people on the ground trying to build all this stuff in a rush. You know, is it going to be their shining and defining moment because there are going to be some leaders that have felt overlooked and on our skill or matrix we've spoken about before? Um, are there um, leaders there that are seeing this as a genuine opportunity to show that they are a brilliant leader? And are there leaders that are looking to say, I told you so, that are there to disrupt um, the, 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 the remedy to create more uncertainty? Well, so uh, that, that's a good, this is like, we've got this belt um, and it's almost like uh, in, in, the, in the belt, we've got this thing comes out and then there's about three or four other things that come out of the thing that was in the belt. It's like, go, we're going to get Inspector Gadget now. Uh, be pretty, ah, there you go. Nathan's been uh, um, beaten by Inspector Gadget. Go, go, Gadget scissors. I like it. I'm not even going to bring in Professor Brainstorm that you won't have any idea about, no, I'm guessing. No, no okay, we'll leave him behind. Mr. Magoo? Heard of him. <laughs> oh, was he the one that could change, get changed in fancy dress shops all the time? No? No, that no. was Mr. Ben. Okay, yeah. so my six-year-old watches Mr. Ben. Mr. Ben is YouTube. terrific, but no match for, for Bod. Yep. Bod is, Bod is the most. If I mean, if you want theory, uh, oh, the, there's no there's no practical with Bod. Bod is 
a series of uh, issues uh, that are resolved by Bod uh, with PC Copper. Frank. Is this the a postman. British only thing? Is it? It's a. It's pretty much pretty. Is that what you're saying? So it's not going to make any sense to anyone. But actually, it's it's terrific. I've learned an awful lot in my my youth about um, how to resolve issues, which actually brings me neatly to my point and and the point that you were raising about what comes out of Batman's belt when we are dealing uh, with the behaviour required uh, to build this imaginary rocket and to build our capability. So if we think about uh, what's required in that situation, uh, I know of a of a lovely tool uh, which is OPPT. Uh, so OPPT might be handy uh, for people to consider, and we've we've actually um, kind of combined this. Uh, with things like putting people across a floor, getting from one side of the room to the other via various obstacles. What does OPPT stand for? Well, I knew you were going to ask that question, and I have the answer ready. Uh, So the, the, the whole focus is to be outcome first. So you're, you're looking at uh, what is the outcome that we are looking for here? And you'll be surprised how people can completely drift off uh, the outcome and actually not get it crystal clear uh, when they're in a situation of, of near panic where there is a very, very tight time scale. So outcome first. Uh, then you've got uh, the, the participants and how they participate in uh, dealing with this outcome. Who do you need? Uh, how do you need them? How do they need to turn up? Uh, what what kind of participants are required? And this is great because you've got all sorts of people with all sorts of skills in uh, getting our rocket uh, built and ready. Uh, so who needs to? We need engineers. We need um, you know people uh, with all sorts of aeronautical abilities and also you know human. Um, resources, skills to be able to pick and select those right participants. So you've got your outcome, you've got your participants, you've got the process. So what is the process required to build this damn thing? You know, what what is the, what is the process? Uh, how do we work the participants, sweat the participants to make this thing happen? But crucially, and this is another area that you and I know is a bit of a problem, uh, when you when you create and stre- tre- stress test this situation, time time scale. Time scale uh, eludes so many in these situations. So by practicing it and practicing it and practicing it, uh, people can start getting uh, that time scale tighter and tighter and tighter. People know their roles and can flex around different types of roles to push their learning from one place to another. You know, we often talk about people in organizations, actually running organizations, you know, who might be a qualified electrical engineer or scientist, but actually, you know, they're running an organization highly effectively um, because they, they, they know what to do with the business and they know what to do with the people in it. Um, and, and so they can, they can flex, they can go into different roles when the need arises. 
You know, who, who's got some flexibility? Who's got capacity? How can we make this happen? Um, so I, I pull all of that together, the OPPT, that's the outcome, uh, that's the particip participants and how they participate, uh, the process and the time scale. To me, that whole thing is about the conversations that you need to have in in that moment and you can practice that as we know mm. uh, and uh, it hadn't occurred to me before actually that you know what we're doing there is not just about helping people to deal with the situation that they're in now which is often you know kind of like firefighting and urgent but at the same time how do we build our capacity to actually plan for the things that haven't happened yet and the unknowns as well as dealing with the things that are you know situations they're firefighting in now how do we do that that's the question and that comes back i presume to our belt of tools so um i think we've probably pushed that particular point about learning mm. You know those those kind of um, situations uh, will will result in people needing to explore lots of different types of behaviours that are acceptable and uh, glue uh, that that thing together and make it happen. And so you know if we were looking at those types of conversations, they would be, you know, is this team equipped uh, to challenge performance and behaviour? Is this team equipped? Uh, to review the progress and to give feedback? Is this team equipped to coach itself and to coach each other? Is it is it able to see forward by an hour, a week, a month, a year? In other words, can it clarify what's ahead, what they know and what they don't know? And within that team, is it capable of leading itself? Uh, is, it, is it a team full of leaders? Uh, or is it expecting everything to be led by one mm. woman or one man because that will fail that won't work because that goes back to that idea of control and command and that won't work and so I think there's lots of evidence around trust and let's go back to that trust matter I know and I'll you know touch lightly on it but actually the team that that may work more effectively in that situation is the team that is picked, that communicates and collaborates and works together well, rather than the team of specialists. And I want to add to that, <clears throat> I think it's important that we um, are conscious that some people, uncertainty is miles away from. Um, as in, they come to work and they do a job and they are so far removed from the restructuring because they're, they're delivering X service for a customer and that has certainty attached to it. They may not be concerned with the, 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 the restructuring that's going on around them because they see the fact that as long as, as, long as their role is certain, 46, um, sorry, we're just glancing at the screen because we need to get onto questions soon and we're obsessive about being around an hour or within as a preference. But equally with our, with our practical tool belt our batman belt which i think we up. do need to bring out every yep. so often yeah 
it's an important thing to do. Yeah. So, so just wrapping up my point, then I think what we have to be conscious of is, is I guess to counter what I said earlier with over communicating, it's it's under communicating with the people that don't need to know, um, because actually it's all it's going to do is create uncertainty, which was unnecessary in the first place. Um, so I guess it, to bring it together, um, if we imagine this tall, this Batman belt, then JB, what 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 happens to sit on the list in your mind? Okay. So uh, there's a few things outstanding, which I think we can we can wrap off quite quickly. Uh, but we've got you know this 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 kind of uh, camaraderie, excitement, fun element. Uh, you know, we we want people to enjoy uh, the the excitement of being part of this this thing that we're building, the rocket. Mm. Uh, and it's a good metaphor. Uh, we we've also got the learning. Um, and actually thinking about the behaviours required and the performances required and literally the performances, you know, turning up and performing uh, these roles. Uh, we, we've got a, a, a means to think about the kinds of behaviours required within uh, OPPT, which is outcome, participation, uh, process and timing. You know, how do people with their different behaviours react to the, so select the right people to work as a team? Uh, we've we've covered off um, business as usual. Uh, you know, don't 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 lose the rituals uh, during these situations. It's really important for people to keep their shit together. Um, mm. By by, uh, it's my team, and this is you know this is when we have our coffee together. The band play on as the Titanic sinks. Well, that's an interesting metaphor. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm more happy with the rocket yeah. <laughs> uh, that's going up and doing stuff than the thing that's sinking uh, into the sea. Um, but that may be the reality for some people listening to this podcast right now. Well, a, a feeling like that, yeah. which, which actually um, uh, reminds me of another final, final point uh, to add before I do that. I just want to mention the point that you made, which is a terrific point, is don't don't let the tumbleweed um you know crash through the building don't let silence uh be your undoing mm. uh which i you say the opposite of that is going back to that idea of frequent quality impactful conversations in the moment uh that's your review that's your feedback that's your coach moment that's your lead moment all of these are why it's so important for organizations to invest in the conversation between two people mm. or a team. So uh, I've got one last thing that I want to add to this for the Batman belt. And I want to credit a guy called Viv Miles uh, for this, who brought in a, an organization, and I forget who they were now, to uh, GWR Group. It might have been GCAP at the time, a uh, big corporate media play I was, I was um, a development director in that company at the time and this uh, was, a, was, was a major piece of learning for me it was terrific so Viv uh, brought this in and and the the thing is cusp which doesn't make sense to anyone particularly our listener but uh, actually when you break it down it's a really sweet simple model and if our listener actually had a pen and a piece of paper you write uh, C as your top letter, underneath that U, underneath that S, and under that, underneath that P. And then go back up to the top and write control where there's a C, 
and put an arrow upwards. And this is where we need to uh, focus on increasing the sense of control. What can you control? These are the conversations we have with people uh, when they are stressed out of their heads in an organization, uh, when things are happening, um, where they feel that it is beyond their control. The conversation relates to what can you control? You know, what are, what are you aware of that you can control? And then you've got the you underneath the C, um, which is uncertainty. And the idea is to reduce the uncertainty. These two things are married completely because when you give someone a, an increasing sense of control over what they can control, it helps to reduce the idea uh, of uncertainty. And, and when I say reduce, I mean reduce. It's not, the attempt is not to get rid at all. Absolutely not. Uh, I think that's that's a, a thing that people try and do and it's not helpful. So control, uncertainty, uh, with an arrow going down. And then you've got the S, which is support. And that's an arrow going up. So in what way can I, as your leader, as your manager, support you? And what other what other things can help support you through this right now? So if, if it was you, Ant, I would be saying to you, Ant, who's team Ant? Who's team Ant? Um, and how do, you, how do you get that together around you? Because everybody needs a team around them in this. It doesn't matter whether they're the CEO, the finance director, or the production manager. It doesn't matter. Everybody needs a team um, behind them uh, to support them through change. Uh, and then uh, you've got your pressure and this is where it's quite interesting about the pressure thing and the idea is that the arrow goes down for pressure I've never quite got that I think it's important to reduce pressure but if you talk to a salesperson um, they might want a little bit of extra pressure they might want pressure, but it's what kind of pressure are we talking about? Comfortable pressure. Yeah. Human control of. Yeah, but but so so that that's a good agenda. So what kind of pressure works for you? And actually, if if you've then got the vision of building a rocket to to get our our man on the moon before anyone else or our woman, uh, then that might go okay. Well, that's good pressure for me because I'm excited about that. Which goes back to your excited point. Uh, if they're excited with it, they'll take more pressure. They might want more pressure. They might not, but that's the agenda. So I want to offer as a practical solution, as a pra well, not a solution, but a practical idea in the Batman belt, mm -hmm. CUSP, C-U-S-P, an agenda for a terrifically good conversation uh, with someone to prepare them for that change uh, and that uncertainty or to help them to deal with it. That, I think, is the Batman belt for uncertainty. Copyright. Nathan. Nathan. He's going to claim it, won't he? He will. He'll claim the whole thing. Yeah, and the podcast. Yeah. And our performing rights. It's all about Nathan. It always has been, let's be honest. Um, right. Um, time, there you go. Yes. Um, so that, that I hope, is, is useful. Um, and in terms of questions, then don't forget you can still ask questions. If there are things that are unanswered as a result of this podcast in reference to uncertainty, pingers. 
via our various social media channels. But I have some questions here that we're going to go through now. Um, and um, let's, I think there is one around uncertainty somewhere. One second, one second. Uh, da, 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 da. I, I, I have a sense of uncertainty about these questions. I don't know what's coming at me. Nor me. Or you. So we really should read them in advance. We but, should. But, but we, in fact, it might show, it might demonstrate our willingness to deal with uncertainty in our own special way. This is true. And what's your favourite boy band? No, I'm kidding. Now, the question <laughs> says, um, what is your favourite boy band, actually? Um, can I say you two? Oh, that's not really a boy band, is uh. it? Oh, for heaven's sake. Well, I, I guess it will have to be take that. Wow. Only because okay. I met them. Did you? Oh, yeah. let me go. So you talk about Prince Charles meeting him on the first podcast. Yeah. I haven't named dropped half of my, my, my celebrity. I haven't told you about meeting... Um, um, no, I can't remember her name now. Oh, God. Uh, Mylene Class. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, my yeah. wife bumped into Leona Lewis in the toilets. She washed her hands next to her whilst Simon Cowell walked past me outside the toilets because they'd been at some record launch. And then she came out of Starstruck and Leona Lewis. And I was like, whatever, Simon Cowell just walked past. Anyway. I swam with Mylene Class, but I don't think she knew I had. Were you stalking her? No. Has the ASBO expired? No, uh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. It, it was a rooftop swimming pool in London. Right. She, and on... she might not remember. I, I think she would. I think you're quite memorable, if you don't mind me saying. Um, okay, question one um, is, what are the biggest challenges um, that leaders face, um, especially with uncertainty, being the constant as opposed to unusual? Well, so, you know, I think this is, this is, this is really about uh, taking doing what's right for the business and doing what's right for the people. And I think there are increasing pressures uh, to reduce people, to uh, reduce contracts down to, um, you know, whatever you can get away with these days. I think there are uh, all sorts of um, things that are going to happen over the coming years. Uh, they're going to put an enormous amount of pressure on leaders uh, to reduce uh, the workforce and to make that call and to get that right and to do it fairly, agonisingly fairly, uh, I think is going to test many, many of our leaders right now. Yeah, agreed. Um, we were at, um, I, sorry, I was at a conference last year on AI right. in business and I left that one excited about what it can do for organizations i then went to a second one which i was invited to along with some colleagues and people left that feeling pretty miserable because they were just basically told forget your job because ai will make all of us obsolete and i left saying well actually that's impossible because there will be a tipping point if no one is needed to work who's going to bring in the money um, to pay for the consumption of AI, um, for one. So I kind of left not feeling that despondent. But uh, anyway, I, th I think change is absolutely normal now. Uncertainty, I sense, is the norm as well. Um, you know, mentioning Trump and Brexit uh, to any US or UK citizen at the minute, that the reactions tend to speak for themselves in uncertainty. And I think that is the way of the world. And just today, as we record this, um, uh, Canada um, PM Justin has been re-elected but as a minority so of course that will create more uncertainty for them so I do think the world is changing but I, I, I agree with JB the more comfortable we get with uncertainty the, the more fun or 
as well, as possibly as it can be to engage uncertainty, I think the better it can be. Um, how do you lead through a reorganisation? That's also linked to uncertainty. Well, I like the, the double meaning of that question. Well, I added the extra bit on the end. Well, how do you lead through... A reorganisation. A reorganisation. And so, you know, I, I think the answer is in the question, which is it's through the organisation. <laughs> and to me, it's about the frequency, the quality and the impact of the conversations going on at every level. And if we had time, I'd bring, up, I'd bring out my octopus, but I'm going to leave that behind. I might have op- offered the octopus before, but... Um, I can't remember. We, we talk a lot, don't we? We, we talk a lot of stuff. But, I, you know, it is about, you know, the, the, so the, 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 the shell of the business might change. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it might be trendy for it to centralise. It might be trendy for it to localise. It might be Service trendy, reason, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's going to go through all of these iterations and go round. And I've seen organisations go through this process so many, many times. And mm. I come back to one simple fact every single time. Um, get your people ready. And that is about the frequency, the quality and the impact of everyday conversations all the time. That's what it comes down to. And I, I, I would add to that maturity. I think we are uh, naive if we think that reorganisations are not required in the current world that I work within, in different industries and people we work with. And actually to suggest that reorganisation is not necessary in businesses, I think, is a naive perspective. So being ready and practising these 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 practical solutions before they happen is probably quite sensible. Um, and, and that, for me, gives you much more confidence during periods of uncertainty. Airline pilots are trained for every eventuality. Um, so um, he's, I think um, JB is doing hand signals at me. Ah, oh, we're fine. Uh, this is the question and answer section. So if you want to dial off now, we're not going to cover any more of the theme, but we are going to cover the questions. Um, but airline pilots are trained to be calm in periods of uncertainty, as in there's an engine problem, I'm struck by lightning, what is the process? And they practice and practice and practice until it becomes the norm. So I think the best uh, leaders for a reorganisation should be the ones that practice it. That sort of worries me slightly, Ant. Oh. Uh, I'm not the greatest flyer on the planet. I put a, I put a good show on. Uh, because I don't want you to, I don't want you to panic. Uh, if I panicked, um, yeah. because we sit together a lot on a plane. Well, I know. So I'm, I've trained myself not to panic, but my my training is dependent on looking at the the um, cabin crew, <laughs> uh, because if they if they are showing me that they're not panicking uh, and they're just thinking, oh well, this kind of turbulence and you know the engine on fire and everything, it's perfectly normal. Yeah, I just look into their eyes and I look at them sitting there, you know, just chatting or, you know, just looking friendly and everything. If they're doing that because they've been on a program uh, when the when the plane is on fire and we are about to die, that's a very worrying uh, idea for me because the the ricochet, uh, the, the the whole thing, everything's going to go wrong because ultimately you're going to look at me because I've looked uh, at the cabin crew who've been told by the pilot that we're going down you're going to panic do the pilot does the and pilot, I worry about that does the pilot tell the cabin crew if the cabin crew are department managers and the the pilot is the the the, the CEO does the cab does the CEO tell the cabin crew that they're about to go down maybe this is a question for our, our this, aviation leaders what a brilliant brilliant way to end our uncertainty 
podcast. Yeah. Before we go to our next question. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, so so what JB's saying is be more cabin crew like <laughs> during periods of uncertainty. And have fun. Yeah. And bring out Keep the serving drinks. the drinks. Hey, do you want ice with that? Put your safe put your safety belt on, but carry on yeah. having fun. Strap in, here Strap we go. On. We're going for a swim. Ding dong. Let's not be ever a landlocked country. Right. Um, what do you... I haven't read this in advance. So this is from a lady called Irene. They've named it, which is nice. Oh. Hello, Irene. Hello, Irene. Um, I'm trying to think where this question might have come from. I'm assuming either Singapore or Hungary, but let's... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, what do you think the leadership should change or evolve through different phases of business development? So how I I think let me rephrase that. How do you think leadership should change or evolve through different phases of businesses development? I you will, are, I don't know how to answer that. question. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure I understand the question. Uh, so I Sorry, guess I, I guess um, if you imagine a um, seed business that is fast growth, very entrepreneurial, quite small, hyper dynamic, versus a big oil tanker of a organization, um, what? I think what they're asking is how do leaders change their behaviours or evolve during those periods, and it, and it's it's interesting. We've talked in a previous episode, I think, um, about small business versus large business. I think around performance management actually. Um, and I, do you know what I I think um, that the consistent thing is being authentic and being real. Um, I think the um, uh, leaders have to be trusted to be inspiring at all stages of businesses' life. But we also have to respect that our roles perhaps do become more restricted is a wrong word. But you, I guess um, in a larger organisation, if I've been born into a seed business, I could be doing HR and operations and, 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 and facilities management as my role. Of course, as my businesses grow, uh, I then might just be wearing the HR hat. Um, or the business development hat, but um, in small businesses, I, I recognise that happens. So I, I think that the consistency for me is still having a vision of your vision throughout all of this. It will evolve. Um, being authentic as a leader has to be the consistent. Uh, being honest with your people about um, about the, the maturity of the business, um, and and making people feel part of the experience, involving them. Uh, understanding what their purpose and their why is in the workplace. That would be my take. Um, in terms of changes or evolvement, I'm not sure. Evolution. Yeah, I'm not sure there is an evolution. I mean, I've worked in a hyper small business and I've worked in Monsters. And I kind of make my team feel that we're still an entrepreneurial seedling function within the business. So I think you can create a feeling of excitement and fast growth, even in a large, cumbersome organisation. I think as a leader, though, if you're in a small business, you could be one of three leaders that run the whole business. You grow up into a business of, with 1,500 managers I have right now, but you can still create that excitement that you had as a startup. So I, I'm not sure there does need to be a change. What do you think? I think there does need to be a change. Oh, typical. No, I do. No, I do. And... Um, I, one of the reasons I absolutely love coaching is that I, and I love this quote, which is to give people a damn good listening to, um, y you uh, as a leader uh, need to be as self-aware as you can be. 
you need to be aware of others and their position uh, and to be attentive to that, to notice that. Uh, and you need to be hyper aware uh, of the situations that you are in now and the situations you could be, good or bad, in the future. And wouldn't it be great if more leaders were open uh, to greater levels of awareness? Uh, and so I offer one last bit for the Batman belt, and that is SOS, uh, which is about awareness of self, awareness of others, and awareness of the situation, and to make that uh, the emphasis of your leadership from now going forward. How do you increase your awareness in those three areas as much as you possibly can? Nice. Okay. I think we're not that far apart in our viewpoints. Never end. Uh, that's that question done. Oh, it's stuck to my... There we go. My bed is getting covered. My bed. <laughs> it's a lovely... It is a nice room though, right? I think it's lovely. Yeah, compared to last week's room in London. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. Um, as a leader, how do I deliver bad news? Ah. Well, so I had... Let's do that today. Yeah, I've had many... Well, actually, one of my managers had to, but... Yeah. I'm going to have to pick up the pieces, aren't I, there? Okay. Well, so I'd, I would always uh, always be uh, focused on as honest as you as you can be. And, you know, you and I have had conversations in the past where, you know, it's not always easy to be completely 100% honest. Mm. I mean, you can be with what you're able to say and do, but, uh, you know, there are jurisdictions around the world that prevent you from doing what you feel is absolutely right for that person because of the law. And we were talking about uh, organisations that are um, involved in uh, kind of advice that's given through a bank or whatever. Um, and my own personal experience of uh, you know, legal advice provided by banks that do the banking for a company is that it is massively biased towards the employee. Uh, in, in, to, in, in such an unreasonable way that I fear sometimes that it actually da damages the business. And the reason for that is that uh, if you get it wrong uh, as, as the manager or the leader, then you're going to get your ass sued. Um, I know this is a controversial point, mm -hmm. but I think it ties the hands sometimes of the, the manager and the leader uh, to be able to be 100% honest. So, you know, it is, it is complex, it's complex, but my, my, I think my guidance would always be as honest as you can be and where you can't be um, absolutely transparent and clear, say that you can't be. Yep, I would agree with that. Okay, two questions to go. Can you be a good leader and micromanage? No. Agreed. Um, because 100%. I, I, I think um, you as a leader 
managed by KPIs. And if you don't have KPIs in place, when you manage, it's going to have a consequence um, to the individual. So you don't need to micromanage because the numbers should talk for themselves. Um, but if you are feeling you have to micromanage, that would suggest there is a competency lag within the individual that you are managing or their behavior is not right. Um, so I think there has to be a, a conversation about our relationship. You know, this is not an op- micromanagement is not an option for me. How do you want to play this and, and, and get that out on the table? Skill will matrix is a, is a good thing there. But I agree with JB. No, can't micromanage. Micromanagement is either a failure of recruitment or a failure of trust. Hmm. Deep. I'm now, I'm now, I've now got imposter syndrome again, JP. I'm not sure I can put that in the Batman belt, but anyway, that will, for another time, we could probably yeah. do something with that. Last question. If my boss does not have trust in me, what recommendation would you have to gain their trust? Ooh, that's a deep one for the last one, isn't it? Well, I've been too deep. I think that one's for you. Oh, thanks. Typical. Um... I think you have to question how much you trust their their competence and intent and intentions and integrity as a leader of themselves. Um, I would be brave and tackle that conversation head on. I sense that something isn't working between us and I'd like to talk to you about it. Um, I think um, you can... Uh, give quality examples and your goal at the beginning of those conversations is that my goal is to gain trust from you or understand how I need to go about gaining trust Uh, and be willing to listen to what they say Um, you know I I don't know I don't know whether I'm answering this question where you are highly competent and you are highly willing and you're highly capable and your behaviors are great and actually your leader has a leadership issue in their own behaviors and mentality or there is genuine skill gaps that perhaps this leader is not very good at telling you and giving you honest feedback about your performance. Mm. So I, I think there's it depends on which angle you're coming at from here. Um, but if I put myself in the position where I felt my manager didn't trust me and yet I believed myself to be highly capable um, and, and highly engaged with the organisation, I would want to challenge that. Um, if I had competency gaps that had been made aware to me or hadn't been, um, and I'm aware of them, but perhaps my boss doesn't want to tell me, I would, again, that the, the attack isn't dissimilar. I would want to sit down to them and, and, and be honest about how I'm feeling about it. Presuming you trust them, that their intentions for you are good. If you think it's going to result in an exit because you're challenging them for being a pretty shit manager, then send me another question and we'll have another crack at it. I think... I, I completely concur with what you're saying and I think there's two two critical points in challenging a uh, a someone higher than you and uh, my guidance having been there before mm. uh, two things uh, one is make sure that you have the evidence make sure that you don't don't fire off Without your evidence, make sure that you've got it very, very clear in your mind. Write it down so that you're clear about it several times so that you've got it, uh, whatever that evidence may be. Uh, And then always, 
always consider challenging uh, how that person is making you feel and articulate that feeling uh, and then feeling being the, the big thing I think and isn't it? absolutely 100% how that person is making you feel right now and then to describe um, you know the, the kind of break the damage uh, the, the break in the contract um, so when you do that it makes me feel because is that three level um, challenge process which is terrific so when you do that it makes me feel but don't don't go with more than two or three things when you do it yeah otherwise you will end up with a um a problem it may result in a series of conversations and again i I reflect on this question and i put myself in different positions of imposter syndrome for example which was talked about i think on episode one i think yeah i think it was the first one um and if you are feeling vulnerable um, then I guess that might play in your mind a bit because you don't want to suggest that they shouldn't trust you because actually you're right, boss, you know, I'm, I'm no good. But equally, you have to be careful when you challenge constructively upwards that there is a confidence but not an arrogance. You know, you don't trust me. You know, we need to talk about that. I think that there needs, it's a sensitive conversation. Um, but look, if we haven't answered that question, please send us a more detailed question and we'll, we'll have another stab at it. I, you you raise a very important point, Anne, and that is that don't expect it to happen in one meeting. No. It, it's not going to, you know, it, it's going to be over a period of time uh, where, you know, it's a campaign. Mm. It's a campaign upwards to, to get someone to, to change their behaviour. And that I think that's an important thing. So I, I now sit on my seat as a leader. Oh, hell. And if a leader came to me, which mm. I have, and they said that statement to me, I'd be mortified mm. that they'd felt that I didn't trust them. Mm. Because it would either question my fact of inability to give feedback as to why I didn't trust them sooner, or um, there is something that I display as a leader that means that they don't feel trusted. And I'd like to think I trust most of my people and I'm very honest with them if I feel that there is a competence issue. So it's tricky. Um, I would hope that the manager that you speak to, if you do challenge them constructively, goes, oh my word, that is absolutely not what I wanted. And as a critical line manager reporting to me, I would want you to feel valued, trusted, focused, and so on. Um, so hopefully that was useful. You've you've planted seeds in my head, and I can sense the body language doesn't cut through on podcasts, but JB is reflecting further still. On your question, well, so yeah, it's a it's a fabulous, great question. It's a whole episode. Yeah, we we, we got a good harvest mm. on this one. Uh, can I just say, Ant, mm-hmm. uh, that we set out to reduce uh, a couple of things, and one was my tub thumping when mm. I'm making a point, when I get a bit you know a bit passionate, I start thumping the the desk. With his hand, just to be clear. Can I can I just get your feedback on how I've done on that? But I, I have been holding my hands together so I didn't 
it, do any of that. It sort upsets of thing. me slightly because I remember very vividly a conversation that you talked about in a group of program people, oh, heck. where you this? were told by one of your previous teachers to use your hands less. Oh yeah. And I've now, um, based on the feedback we've had, asked you to do the same. So I think gesticulate all you like, just do it into the sky, not into the table. And I think we're. But I sense that there is less waveforms. Other than our glasses clinking and a few pouring of wine during our conversation today, I think we've done justice. Do, oh, that can I? Ju- I'm not. Uh, I'm once I've said this. Okay. I'm not saying any more. Well, we might need to. Cause okay. Got- All right. Well, apart from saying goodbye. Okay. Um, I've redefined human resources this week. I heard this, but for the benefit of the listener, please do tell. I'd, 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 I'm going to open the window because it's getting super humid in here and they've turned the air conditioning off. Wait, wait, listener. Here's, here's hear the this. outside noise. There you go. Hopefully the sound of the passing um, boats on the Danube. So I've redefined human resources and I'm quite excited about it because I've never liked that term until now. Uh, so if you're, if you're doing a, a communication to uh, a you know big audience, uh, then... Your body, your entire body, that, ladies and gentlemen, is your human resources. You've got your hands, you've got your legs, you've got your face, you've got your mouth, your eyes, your everything is available to you as your wonderful human resources. And so I, when I talk about human resources from this day forward, it will be all the wonderful things that you have to add to your communication, uh, including your voice. Beautiful. But for those human resources people that feel that there is more... (laughs) Oh my God! Have I got to do hands and legs in JB's world of HR? No, oh goodness, the air's flowing through now. It's been super muggy in here. We're very cross. This hotel is amazing. But apparently in in Hungary, they clearly turn off the air conditioning mid-September because they think that you now are comfortable with the temperature. It's still 24 degrees. It's far too humid. At about, uh, I don't know, it must have been about midnight last night, because I, I could not sleep, it was too hot. And so I opened the quite a big door, actually, and there I was uh, in my bed. Uh, oh, look, glad that's where this went. Okay, looking, yeah. looking out over the Danube, uh, watching these amazing <laughs> cruise ships going past with all their lights on and people partying. And it was wonderful. It was really brilliant. Uh, a, a whole different kind of vibe. So I should be doing that again tonight. Lovely. That's I, what I'm going to be doing. What about you, Anne? I just sleep on top of the duvet. Um, okay. I'm scared because your door is open and we have neighbouring rooms that I can hear you snoring through the balcony, echoing off oh the dining Right, okay. What's your, what's your plans for the next uh, week or so, Mr Bradley? Ah, oh, right, okay. So uh, I'm embarrassed. Uh, about the fact that I am... Where's Barrist? Oh, ah, <laughs> hey. oh sorry. Uh, that's like my joke. Can you get rid of my joke, actually, that one earlier? Okay, we've now said it again, so now I'm going to edit this bit. Oh, oh, oh well, okay. Thanks so for, for, for the listener, it was a really, really such a bad joke uh, that it does need to be edited out and, and it involved my wife. And so that's... Oh, my God. You've now pretty much done the joke again. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Lordy. Right, okay. So what am I doing tonight? <laughs> And what I'm doing tonight is I'm going out for, for dinner, probably a rooftop bar drink in a romantic setting with Ant. Uh, then... And a couple of other people, this, to be clear. That is true. And so there's a bit more... That sounds worse. Uh, there's a bit more work to be done uh, here. 
and then I go back to the UK and then I got a train I go to Paris uh, I do a little bit of uh, la di da this is, this is social as opposed to business yeah actually. it's social I'm sort of doing a bit of stuff in Paris by the train and then, we, then I go on the train with my lovely wife uh, down to Barcelona uh, where we're spending a few days and uh, then we fly back and then I go to Luxembourg yay yes you do yeah Luxembourg is my next port of call avec toi um, and I think in French if I remember Mr Hadley from my French lesson days as an ass as he was as we've talked about many times um, I next week will be off I have a week off like I think you're off next week right if you're off socialising with the wife bloody hope so That, that, that my wife is hoping that I will be I think Bur- I am. burglars beware there is still someone in our house in case you think you can go and burgle as a result of me being away but next week and you have people in your house I've got too. stroppy teenagers and two very aggressive small border terriers yeah. so don't even think about it so we have a house sitter um, we are next week in the Lake District my favourite place to switch off from the world no phone signal bliss uh, that's where I am next week with the family uh, and the brood of children. Uh, this weekend, frantically, uh, I believe there's lots of viewings on our house, which is quite exciting. Um, let's hope once someone offers asking price. If not, then we're not selling, just FYI. Um, and then a uh, week after, you and I will be in Luxembourg. But interestingly, for the listeners, just to confuse them, we are recording next week's podcast tomorrow, I <gasps> believe. Oh. Which means that we're going to have to... Um, clearly pretend no we, we will just be honest um, but so there won't be any what do you do this week and next week because it'll be the same as this episode but we are recording double episodes this week so that we can switch off the microphone for a full seven days but you'll then you'll get a wonderful I guess um, uh, feedback of our holidays uh, at the beginning of our Luxembourg episode of the podcast we're a very global podcast but please if you are listening and you have a question get in touch with us uh, lead learn pod is our Twitter handle, or is it learn lead pod? It's one of the two. Um, you'll find. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Let me look. Hold on. Before we, this you've be, got to get this right. This will be really I awkward. Do... Oh, Go on. We, no, you, you waffle oh, for a second. I'm just getting on our Twitter gone page. Way over this whole thing. It was. We, we said as long as we get the subject matter covered in 50 minutes. Okay. Right. So right, it's, fair enough. It's that is our guarantee. Twitter handle lead learn pod. Currently have 25 followers. Let me shout out some of those followers. So, and then I'll, ta- I'll tweet at them telling them. So Paul Sugit, whoever he is, Centennial, Sandro, Barry Flack, Mike Sipple, who's a podcaster, hey, competitor. Mike. Hey, Barry. Uh, Mark Stelsner, he leads HR Transformation. Mejia, uh, Doug Collins. If you want to get a shout out on the podcast, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> um, uh, Katie Ryder, she loves her job working in HR recruit, recruiter of choice. Excellent. Hashtag. Lovely. My passion Hello, is Katie. helping talented professionals secure their dream role. Melissa, she follows us. She's an employee communication. Anyway, I ramble on. Rennie, train HR, words power, Susie Day, Tony Hodgson, hashtag coach. Um, Gordon Shepherd, Liliana, Kevin, Pamela Ackerson, not to be confused with Anderson. Uh, Dion, David, Sit Paddy, on. Casey, and Yanka. I think there is a very multinational list of followers there, all 25 of them. Um, but please do uh, uh, enjoy the podcast and the shout out. Well, we are a global podcast, aren't we? So we are. it makes sense that we're attracting a global audience. So, Ant, I've got one final question for you. Go ahead. Uh, before we wrap this whole and thing we get, up, we get ready to be collected. Uh, yeah, we're going to be collected minutes. and whisked off to, to a very expensive restaurant, I hope. Otherwise, mm. my, my, my rider contract will be. 
seriously reconsidered. This is so, my rider contract too in the evenings. Oh yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so Ant, you you had to do some work uh, on some. I I'm not allowed to thump the the table, which yes. I've avoided. Mm. Uh, you had a little thing to work on tonight. How 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 well do you think you've done on that? Uh, maybe you can be the judge. I think I've been okay. Okay. Uh, I. But I think you've ironically done. you're hesitating. I know, I know. Look at that. Suddenly, I'm I'm conscious of umming and ahhing. I think you've reduced your ums by up to fifty percent. Wow, wow, we were. Yep. So that's the feedback you're getting from me, okay. and I will be monitoring it as we go, as you will be my tub thumping. Indeed. So thank you for listening. This has been the Global Leadership Podcast. Please do tell us your feedback because we are dynamic in our mindsets and we wish to learn and grow and develop. Of course, send your questions in via the Twitter feed, whatever it is, I can't remember. Uh, And please do tell others about the podcast. If you like it, rate us five star. If you don't, don't rate it five star. Give us feedback instead directly so we can fix it before you give us terrible ratings. And of course, hit the subscribe button so that you get new episodes as they arrive in your app of choice. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This is Jonathan Bradley, as I've always been, and I always will be. Good night.